welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast, where two buddies from college review and preview Penn State football and the big college games. Okay, it's time for kickoff. Welcome to the Caleb and Phil Football Podcast. I'm Phil Strunk, joined today by my lovely, charming, soon-to-be father, co-host, Caleb Huffer. Caleb, how are you? I'm doing good, Phil. How about you? I'm I'm great. Uh, so, Caleb, I saw on Facebook um, yesterday that you're down to the final month before baby Hufford comes home. Yeah, a little over about a month away. Baby's due next or this coming October. So, yeah. Yeah, could be could be really any time at this point. You know, babies seem to come early from time to time. So, yeah, we're we're excited. We're hopefully ready for it, as ready as we can be. So, great great news for our family. Yeah, I was uh, thinking like if if you were going to have a boy, Saquon or Trace would be a pretty good name for him. <laughs> nope, having a girl. So, we'll uh, we'll put those on the back burner. Yeah. Okay. There, you can always find a way, you know, Tracy, I don't know. <laughs> so, Caleb, you know, we had uh, a lot of big stuff happening this weekend. You want to go ahead and uh, start off our recap from week one? Yeah, let's go for it. Um, All right. Pretty uh, straightforward week, wouldn't I would say so. AP teams won 24-1. and The lone loss was Oregon losing to another ranked team, Auburn, and that great comeback win. Did you catch any of that game? Yeah, I did. Uh, you know, although I'll be honest, I went to bed whenever it looked like Oregon had the game. What was it, like 20-something? Yeah, Oregon like, okay, got off to a great start. They it looked like they were really going to run away with it. We uh, blowed the SEC in Auburn there, but they uh, fumbled away the ball right after a huge punt return. Even though they held Auburn to a field goal, it seemed like it kind of turned the tide. And Auburn and their freshman quarterback, Bo Nix, man, he what a talent he is. Yeah, I mean, he started off the game really slow. Um, he managed to pick it up. I, I think – kind of feel bad for Justin Herbert. You know, I, I didn't realize it beforehand. So I knew Jawan Johnson, Penn State transfer, who went to Oregon, wasn't playing. But it sounds like he was without, like, his top four wide receivers. So I don't know how you win a game whenever you, you don't have your regulars to throw to. Yeah, maybe once Hopefully they get healthy, uh, Oregon will be back in it. They still run the table here. They still, I think, have a chance to make the playoff. Yeah, I think they can still be competitive, too. Um Iowa State, man, what happened there? I don't know, man. FCS opponent, Northern Iowa, taking them to triple overtime. They recovered a fumble in the one-yard line in triple overtime, or else if they would have lost that fumble, they would have blew in the game there. They needed a late field goal with about a minute to go to even force the first overtime. So um, I'm surprised they didn't fall further in the polls. I think they're still ranked around 24 or 25. Is Campbell still the coach there? I'm not sure who the coach is for Iowa State anymore. Yeah. I don't remember either, but you know they, they always have these games where they can be pretty tough, pretty competitive. So I was uh, I was shocked to see that triple overtime. Whenever you know we're so used to seeing them be competitive with, in in some cases, like top ranked uh, FBS teams mm-hmm. instead. You know you you pointed this out um, in our in our talker in our notes for today too. Uh, Alabama, whenever they they started off, I was a little concerned for them. I was like, what is going on here? Should have figured this this happens, I feel like, every season. They start off really slow and then eventually uh, you know, it was Tua time and, and Tua and the and the whole offense really started to wake up and, you know, 
take care of business against Duke. Yeah, I don't think uh, Duke's as talented as they've been the past couple of years. It feels like they get into the fringe rankings, low 20s, right around 25 or so, and then they'll lose a few games and uh, drop out of the rankings. So I don't know if they're quite as talented this year, but definitely seem like a disciplined team. They stuck to their game plan. It worked for about a quarter, and then uh, finally Tua got unleashed and threw for four touchdowns. So he definitely looks like he's still one of the front runners for the Heisman Trophy as we enter the first couple weeks of the season. Yeah, absolutely. He's a you know he's a good competitor. Uh, you know, most critics say he needs to stop trying to make the big play every single time. But you know, especially early in the season, it's like you know, risk it for the biscuit a little, throw it around, see what you got. That way, whenever you get in those competitive games down the line, you can you can kind of you know, mentally prepare yourself. Say, yeah, I know how to make these throws because I did it against you know so and so. Another Alabama quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Holy cow! How many touchdowns did he account for? Uh, six touchdowns. I think five hundred total yards of offense. I mean, soon uh, the coach there is just going to be able to play, you know, no-name quarterbacks from any college whatsoever, and they're going to be putting up 500 yards of offense every game, it seems like, can be a Heisman contender. Yeah, there were some people on Twitter that were talking about Lincoln Riley and saying, you know, oh, he can have his pick of the NFL jobs. Uh, I would not want to take that kind of stuff. If I can take a third quarterback, Jalen Hurts, arguably, you know, I don't want to make it sound like Hurts is a terrible quarterback because he's not. Definitely not. But between the three, the least quote-unquote dynamic heading into the season, and he puts up six touchdowns. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's in the tea that they're drinking in Oklahoma, but holy cow. Yeah, I mean, how do they do it? Yeah, man? I mean, they don't have Ed Oliver anymore, so maybe their defense isn't quite as good, but Houston's not even one of the bad Big 12 defenses, in my opinion. So right, he's right. not doing this against, you know, Idaho like Penn State played against or some real crappy team, but he did it against, I think, at least an average defense. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Yeah. It's big, unfortunate news coming out of this weekend. USC quarterback JT Daniels tore his ACL and is out for the season. USC kind of looking to rebound after a couple of tough years there, and it's going to be even tougher with now having to switch quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a – is it a freshman quarterback? Yeah, he's a I young guy, maybe a sophomore. But, yeah, he's he's a young quarterback and, yeah, big blow for them. Yeah, I, and yeah, like you said, you know, they wanted to they wanted to turn the program around. Uh, I don't think Sam Darnold's final year at USC was what he had hoped for. And then, yeah, last season as well, Daniels was kind of the uh, the light that maybe wasn't going to get them to, like, the playoffs, but was at least going to get them to to halfway decent bowl game. We'll see what this new quarterback at USC does. But, you know, uh, at the same time, I'm still bitter about that Rose Bowl loss that we had to him a few years ago. So, uh, you yeah. know, if they lose, who cares? I'm not going to be crying too much about it. Yeah. Pretty good week for the Big Ten. They won 10-2 and overall. Two losses, Northwestern losing to Stanford. Not a, really a bad loss. Stanford's obviously a really great team. Score looks a little bigger than the game actually was as Stanford scored a fumble recovery touchdown in the final seconds to make it a 10-point game instead of a 3-point game. The big one was Purdue blowing a 17-point lead to Nevada. Nevada's not really supposed mm-hmm. to be very good. I'm not saying Purdue is going to be a world beater or anything like that, but that's got to be a disappointing loss for them. Yeah, so, you know, Purdue can be can be pretty competitive. Uh, Purdue, you know, did a lot last season to kind of take care of, of business with a couple big schools. Unfortunately, though, you know, Nevada um, – the the alma mater of Colin Kaepernick. You're right. You know they, they managed to find a way to take advantage of it. Disappointing for Purdue. Uh, and then there were a couple teams that just didn't meet the mark. You know Ohio State started off I think kind of slow. Eventually Fields kind of woke up and started to take care of business. I really thought that he was going to. Um, I thought he was going to account for more yards or, or more touchdowns. But you know first game 
it's whatever. Ryan Day, not the not the worst way to start off a season. Michigan, Shea Patterson just not looking spectacular. John Gaddis, former wide receiver coach at Penn State, now calling the plays up in Ann Arbor. Um, I don't know concerns for that offense, Caleb. Yeah, maybe we'll see. They got off. Yeah, they got off to that bad start. Fumbled early, kind of let um, Middle Tennessee get some some um, momentum building early, and you know, kind of got their motors going. So we'll see as they progress throughout the season. Yeah, and then Nebraska. Uh, you know, they came in rank, which really shocked me. They were four and eight coming into the season, right? Um, yeah. And then, like we said, ranked in the top twenty-five. Didn't really perform to the level that we expected there either. It was uh, it was shocking. Yeah, I guess in one way you can look at it. They had I think two defensive touchdowns and a punt return touchdown, so all facets of their game going. But even getting those three non-offensive touchdowns, you only win by two touchdowns against South Alabama. Mm-hmm. That should be a much yeah. That should be a huge. Blowout. Yeah, if you get three defensive or special teams touchdowns, you should win by four or five, six touchdowns against uh, an inferior opponent like them. Uh, Michigan State kind of looking like the same old team. Bad offense, but great defense holding Tulsa to negative 73 rushing yards. I know sacks Oof. count against that in college, but that's still a really impressive number. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, if it's minus 73, yeah, if it's minus 73, it means the running backs weren't really doing that great either. No, definitely not. And then uh, the most surprising or impressive team from the Big Ten this, this week had to be Maryland with their – I know it's Howard. Howard's mm-hmm. – uh, no name team really, but seventy nine nothing shutout, putting up as many points as Penn State, and then but they were able to seal the shutout, unlike Penn State. So good week for them. Yeah, their quarterback Josh Jackson, uh, I think he's a transfer from Virginia Tech. He came out and, and he was strong, and that's what Maryland has needed the last couple seasons. I mean, you could argue that last season Maryland would have defeated Ohio State in overtime had they, you know, had a better quarterback under center. So. Um, you know, if that team can play competitive like they did last year, maybe they can give Ohio State the, running, the run for their money again, or maybe it's just wishful thinking. Yeah, didn't Maryland use like three quarterbacks that game or something? I think one got hurt, and then the second one didn't really perform well. So I think they ended up using like three quarterbacks against that game in Ohio State and still almost pulled off the upset. Yeah, I was hoping. But, uh, you know, one thing that, that I hope for pretty frequently as a Big Ten fan that uh, we saw, man, talk about a terrible week for the SEC. At last. Yeah. The big one, obviously, being the Tennessee upset by Georgia State. Tennessee reportedly paid Georgia State over a million dollars to come and play that game and then to lose by eight points to a team that won what, just a handful of games last year, lower level. So yeah. not really a great start. I think for Georgia State was competitive. Yeah. Yeah. In some games last season. Sorry, what were you saying, Caleb? No, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying, I think Georgia State was competitive in a couple games. Uh, last season but yeah even so like ah and tennessee's coached by uh, somebody from bama so you know they have the pedigree yep yeah what's happening there? yeah maybe give them a year or two um georgia competed right away but i think they had the talent to kind of compete that once kirby smart got over there and got him going so maybe once tennessee yeah. gets the talent they'll be able to kick it up and take it to that sec level Another big loss for the SEC, Missouri losing to Wyoming. South Carolina blowing an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter to North Carolina. Big win for Mac Brown returning to UNC, but that's got to be a big blow for them losing to their cross-state rival, or whatever, however you call that, the state, the state to the north for them. We'll say interstate. Yeah, not interstate, Something. whatever. Still a rivalry game for them. They play every year, usually early in the season. Arkansas barely getting by Portland State. 
And then Ole Miss losing. I think Ole Miss was supposed to be the one crappy team from the SEC this year, but uh, still to start off with a loss like that, not a great week overall for the SEC. Yeah, not a good look. You know, Portland State is a school that you basically never hear of unless they do something like beat an SEC team. Yeah. So uh, I think it's like one of the teams that whenever you play – or whenever you play the former great video game NCAA football, you would schedule a school like that to start your uh, dynasty season off on a, on a really positive yeah, note. That's definitely what it, Portland state sounds like. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And uh, so that's the general stuff for across the NCAA. Caleb, what happened? Or do you want to give a quick recap for the listeners about the Penn state Idaho game? Yeah, let's go for it. Obviously, if you missed it, you didn't really miss too much. 79-7 win over Idaho, um, even better than I think most expected. It was good to just see them score early and often. It took them a couple drives to get going, a couple of field goals early instead of touchdowns, which we would have liked to have seen, but they just poured it on, kept going and going. The only thing that uh, I missed, I think, was the uh, – it would have been nice to get the shutout like Maryland got against Howard, but fortunately uh, Matt Kippenhammer fumbled that fumble, had that fumble on the punt return that – gave Idaho the good field position and was able to let them score. 79 points for Idaho was or for Penn State was their second most in the AP poll era, so really impressive just to put into context there. Over 600 yards of total offense, which is third in school history. Man, what an offensive performance from Penn State. Yeah, it was something special to watch. You know, like you said, over 600 yards of total offense. Um, second most in the AP poll era, you know, we, did, we blew out Cincinnati, what, 81 nothing in 1991. Yeah, and so to come most. out 79-7, I know I was shocked, uh, especially with those early field goals. I was like, you know, what what's happening here? Sean Clifford started off, and, you know, it looked like he was – it looked like he was, you know, starting his first college game. Uh, some really easy targets that were missed overthrown, but he settled down, and, and he really started to perform well, finish, or finishing with uh, 14 for 23, 61%. Uh, passer completion 280 yards two touchdowns and then what really shocked me and if you listen to our last episode i talked about how i saw clifford as more of a pocket passer um coaches said that he was doing some work with his legs on the off season and that was pretty abundant seven rushes for for 57 yards i mean i thought he looked good caleb yeah it's clear that penn state wants to keep that rpo game going be able to keep their defense on their toes so they're trying to use clifford as a running quarterback even if he may not have the same as athleticism as trace but they're definitely trying to do that uh keep the rpo option going so they can keep the defense on their toes yeah, Clifford made some really good reads, uh, you know, figuring it out on a couple plays. I think one of them was a, on a touchdown where um, instead of him, you know, running with it, he he hands the ball off, reads the end, and, and the running back's able to take it in for the score. Uh, those are the sort of decisions that we hope to be able to see. And it seems like Clifford, like I said, toward the end of the game, he started to, to really hit his stride. Uh, we were right. He didn't stay in the whole game. I guess whenever you're up 79-7 um, or, you know, whenever you're up, 55 7 or something like that at that point you don't need to be in anymore you know you, you kind of proved yeah i'm i'm the dude um yeah definitely really really good you know will levis looked pretty good i mean do you see how big he is yeah he is a big dude not as big as idaho's quarterback colton richardson but he's a big dude yeah colton richardson coming in at what 285 pounds he's huge yeah he may want to like switch to i don't know a lineman or a, a linebacker um yeah, Idaho quarterbacks just not super impressive. Uh, they only threw one interception, but yeah, it, we'll talk about defense a little bit later yep. uh, and just talk about 
just how dominant it was to to watch the boys on that side of the line. Run run game was incredibly powerful, uh, led with Devin Ford. Six carries, 107 yards, one touchdown. But I think what most people noticed was his 81-yard touchdown run, aided with the shorter being able to run up from the side and, and create a block. K.J. Hamler, four receptions, 115 yards, uh, two touchdowns through the air, and then 16 rushing yards, 28 return yards. Overall, a pretty good game for him as well. A lot of great offensive weapons that you know, Caleb, I think we're in for uh, another great show whenever the offense is on the ball this year. Yeah, the the offense was definitely the side of the ball that I had most questions with coming into the season. And, man, that was a great start to the season for them. 79 points, obviously. They uh, definitely proved some of the doubters wrong. Obviously, you got to do it against a better defense, a more qualified opponent to really mm-hmm. uh, get the doubters to completely eliminate them. But it's definitely a great start for them. Yeah, uh, I was pretty concerned, and, and I kind of wondered at the half, too. Pat Fryermuth gets hit hard. Uh, I think the player that hit him went out for targeting on that play, too. Um, makes me makes me concerned whenever that stuff happens. Pat wasn't super involved in, in this game. Hopefully, uh, next week we'll get to see more of that big body going up there, grabbing passes and uh, taking care of business. Because, yeah, he's, he's great to watch, too. Yeah, it definitely was a scary moment, him coming out there. Was it right before halftime? You know, I don't think he played them the rest of the game, but they showed him on the sideline kind of laughing, going around. So, no, and a huge blowout win like this. No need to risk it and putting him back in the game. But I would assume he's should be good to go and ready for the Buffalo matchup this coming Saturday. You think they put him in against Buffalo, or you think they? You know, I mean, him? I'm sure they'll take it easy with him, but I'm, I think they'll give him at least a few reps, a few drives. If you get up big again against Buffalo, then maybe they'll take him out again or even earlier than some of the other offensive starters. But I think they'll give him some time as he's only a sophomore this year. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, aside from Clifford, there are three quarterbacks in. Uh, Schuster, the third string quarterback. Levis was the only one that was that was passing. Levis throws another touchdown. I'll say, though, all this conversation about the quarterback competition over the summer, not that Levis is bad or anything. I just thought, like, it was very clear to me that Clifford was the one that should have won that job. You know, he looked like he was more experienced, more poised, um, better passer in in this particular instance. And I think Levis will develop and Levis will be fine too. But it was just great to see Clifford out there and performing at, at such a high level. Yeah, I mean, obviously game flow plays a part to this. And Will Levis did great, 11 for 14, high completion percentage there. But if you look at the average yards per attempt, 12.2 for Sean Clifford, 4.4 for Will Levis. I think that clearly shows who's the better, at least – down the field passer can be on this team. Yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll look forward to seeing Levis develop, but in the meantime, we're going to enjoy uh, Sean Clifford just taking care of business as well. Now, you know, there was that great, you know, passing game, but the ground, whoa, 331 yards by Penn State rushing. Just a, just an all-out great performance by that offensive line to be able to create some great blocks, some great holes, spaces, and and allow the running backs and even the quarterback scrambling to perform really well. Yeah, the biggest thing for me was obviously the the diversity in the rushing attack. No one had more than nine carries during the game, so they spread it out pretty evenly throughout the throughout the game. Obviously, when you're in a big blowout like that, you can do that. So maybe in tighter games, you focus more on one or two running backs. Seven point four yards per carry as a team, which is fantastic. Getting you know three quarters of the way of a first down. Five different guys scored a touchdown. Seven total rushing touchdowns. 
great performance and obviously Devin Ford is the big star of the of the rushing attack this week. Yeah, Saturday morning Devin Ford's uh, football coach from Stafford, Virginia had sent out a tweet just talking about how great Devin Ford uh, was going to be and so I thought, okay, I'll keep my eye on him. I don't know how much he's going to play. Uh, I'm glad that he was playing. He looked fantastic. Nick Yuri was a fun story that a lot of people had Nick Yuri a walk on. Uh, I think he's a Juco running back getting ready to roll in and, and tumble forward for a touchdown number 40 on offense. You know, the, the team was celebrating him, and even Saquon Barkley sent out a tweet talking about how great that was. So, you know, it's fun whenever the uh, whenever the run-ons are able to go out there and perform well, too. Just a, a great game on the ground. Yeah, I mean, you obviously you don't want to go in there and run up the score or anything like that, but it's great to see a guy like Nick Yuri, who's, what, fifth-string running back, sixth-string running back, in there getting his opportunity and able to score a touchdown. The biggest disappointment for me, Ricky Slade, five carries, nine yards, less than two yards per attempt. Do you have any concerns with him? Yeah, I do have some concerns. I mean, he was, you know, like we said last week, he can be a dynamic back. But uh, and I don't know if it was just like he couldn't get into a rhythm or what, but it's not like the line wasn't blocking well. I mean, it, it was very evident that the line was dominant on both sides of the ball. So um, I don't want to say like I'm terrified for Ricky Slade. I wonder what would have happened if he would have gotten more carries later into the game whenever the defense had tired down even more. But I'm hoping that we can see more from him. I see more of that explosiveness that we saw last season and next week against Buffalo uh, and then especially against Pitt, against the the in-state rival. Um, need to see some some great performances there as well. Ricky Slade totally capable of doing it just needs to you know find the holes and hit them hard yeah i mean that's the one where i think you just for him at least personally you saw the depth of this rushing attack today so if he has one or two more bad games it's easy to see journey brown noah kane devon ford all pass him in the depth chart and get more carries more important carries in the bigger games coming ahead yeah it was it was a really impressive game on on the ground um you know it was it was absolutely fabulous now kale let me ask you this if you were to pick one word to describe how our defense performed against Idaho. What do you think that word would be? Uh, I'd say stout. You know, the defensive line just pushed, pulled, whatever. They did whatever they wanted to with Idaho's offensive line. Seven sacks, two and a half by the star Yitor Grossmatos, which I have to say I called that on our Twitter handle right before pregame. I called two and a half sacks for Grossmatos. So pat myself That's on the back impressive. a little bit there. Only four rushing yards. Reed with the interception. It was a... Pretty good all-around performance. Yeah, it was it was stellar. Uh, what stands out the most to me from that game was uh, Idaho was going forward on fourth and one early in the game. Yep. And I was expecting, because in the past, whenever these things happen, even against a team like Idaho that's an FCS school, the teams are smaller, we've seen Penn State give up the yard. But what I noticed was on fourth and one, as soon as the ball was snapped, that offensive line for Idaho did not move. Penn State did a great job holding their ground, went, tackled, and turned the ball over on downs. I mean, I'm excited about this defense. I don't care that it was against Idaho. You can, even in these games, whenever it is very clear that you are overmatched or you have outmatched your opponent, um, there are basic fundamentals. And I think that we saw a lot of those fundamentals on display. We saw good pass coverage. We saw good explosiveness off the line. And then, yeah, Reed did a great job with that INT. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was probably a miscommunication by the quarterback there. I can't re- remember which one it was. I think it was Petrino. Yeah, it was Petrino, and at that point, yeah, that was definitely um, – yeah, they were not on the same page. But good uh, good anticipation by Reed there on that interception for the easy pick and returned it for 25 yards, so not a bad return also. Yeah. I was pretty concerned early in the game, though. Uh, was it the first, yeah, first play, play on defense for Penn State? 
I was just like, oh, here we go again. Uh, safety, you know, getting called um, for targeting, and, and I'm immediately concerned. I'm thinking, oh, no, here we go again. Yeah, there is a... Definitely have a new review process this year on targeting, which is great. They have to go in, they have to confirm all of the elements of targeting again. Just to, there's no stands this year in targeting. It's either overturned or it's confirmed, which I think is a great thing for them to do. So they get the referee gets to go in, look at it, unbiased, and they clearly saw that it wasn't targeting on on Penn State that first play of the game. Not that you needed him for the whole game, but it it would have been just a downer, just a lose him for the whole game on the first play there yeah absolutely i mean nobody wants to see a uh, a player you know get get knocked out it was garrett taylor the one that was that was called um early on number 17 on on defense for targeting and then that got you know overturned um yeah i would i would just hate to see that happen and you know brandon smith gets called for targeting reviewed and then also again got rid of brandon smith without hit holy cow you know freshman linebacker coming in just decked the receiver from Idaho and, and really took care of business there. Uh, I think he's going to be really exciting to watch. Yeah, that was just a huge hit. Um, definitely get he got his chance there, made a huge play, made the impact on the team. Everyone was going for him on the sideline. Everyone was cheering for him. I mean, when you see a big hit like that in today's in today's college football, you, you kind of almost assume targeting, but I think it was a good clean tackle and the referees made the right decision not ejecting him either. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I get player safety, and I think player safety is super, super Definitely. important um, because you know I've I've heard stories about some of these guys who, whenever they retire, you know, they they can't even get out of bed without being in pain. But this is also a physical game, and sometimes big hits happen, and those big hits don't always need to be penalties. So you know, I'm glad they went back, they reviewed. Uh, one thing that really shocked me on defense, I didn't really hear Michael Parsons too much. You know, he only accounted for one tackle. Um, yeah. I'm- I don't know. You, you think they came out early, or, or what do you think the deal was there? Yeah, I'm sure he came out early. I don't have the percentage of s- snaps he played on defense, but I'm sure it was a low amount with a huge blow like that. Maybe they were running to avoid him, that kind of thing, just so so they know that he's the former, what, five-star recruit coming out of high school. So mm-hmm. maybe they were just doing that, and maybe he got banged up a little bit we didn't see anything about it, and they were just taking it easy with him. I'm not too worried about that, though. Yeah, I mean he'll he'll be a stud. He's last year he was a dominant linebacker, and that'll continue. Overall, really fantastic play by the by that defense. Um, you know, you said the seven sacks, and some of those were against that big boy quarterback. You know, and for two hundred eighty five pounds, they took him down pretty fast. I think it was uh, Oa took him down like with just one hand. It was either him or Yitor Grossmatos that took him down mm-hmm. one handed, and he and he felt like, oh, this is this is some power, some dominance here. It's fantastic. Yep. It's also good to see Cam Brown play the second half after being suspended from the game from Kentucky, the bowl game last year. So it was good to see him back get some action in the second half, and it sounds like uh, he'll be starting next game at Buffalo. He'll be inserted as the uh, one of the other starting linebackers on the opposite side of Micah Parsons. So good to see him get some game action in, even in a blowout like this. Do you think with these new targeting reviews, do you think Cam Brown would have been thrown out of that bowl game? Um, I'm thinking no, but sometimes the uh, yeah. they make some strange decisions, so who knows? Yeah, I was... I was bummed that something from, you know, back in January affected Cam Brown in his senior season. But, you know, he was out there. He was in good spirits. He's a fun guy to watch. I hope he keeps on making those big hits. He's a he's a solid dude. Yeah, yeah, you got to still play your game. Obviously, 
don't want to be a dirty player like Vontas Perfect or someone like that. But if your game's all about physicality, you gotta stick with it and play your game. Sometimes you'll get get called the penalty or even ejected from a game, but you just gotta keep that compete level up still. Yeah, a couple other things to point out, uh, Caleb. I don't know. If, um, I don't know if it's okay. Yeah, I don't know if it's okay to call him a a friend of the show, but he has liked a lot of our tweets. Uh, Jordan Stout, the kicker from Virginia Tech, who we had originally thought was just going to be kicking on on kickoffs, he started taking the long field goals and he drills a 53-yard field goal kick. And then every single kickoff, what was he, 12 for 13 with touchbacks? Holy cow, what a leg. Yeah, I have no clue why Virginia Tech let this guy go. They didn't have him on scholarship for some reason. You have plenty of 80, what, 85 scholarships in Division One. so I can't believe he got through Virginia Tech's grasp. And luckily, luckily for Penn State, they have a great new long kicker, kickoff kicker. So Jake Pinnegar better watch out. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Stout was just fantastic to watch. Uh, such a strong leg. And he was doing it over and over throughout the game. So, like, even in, in the fourth quarter, he's still able to make these kind of big kicks. I'm I'm excited for what he's going to do. Uh, yeah, you know, Penniker performed well. He was two for two. Um, and, you know, obviously he hits all his extra points. But, you know, Jordan Stout is, is also showing, hey, you know, I can hit these big field goals, these long ones, one of the longest ones in Penn State mm-hmm. history. Um and he just came in the first game of the season, took care of business. That was definitely a really positive highlight. Uh, I was pretty disappointed with uh, with Big Mac with, with hip and hammer. Yeah, they said they had him. They said they had him back there because he plays baseball, plays outfield for the baseball team too. And man, he just different sized ball, whatever it was, he could not handle those couple of those punts this year. They're this game, and it's not even like Idaho has a great punting game. They were a lot of line drives. The ones he fielded were more traditional punts, but the line drive ones, Idaho did not have a great punt game. Yeah, it was a, a pretty terrible punt game. You know, some people thought, well, they're just trying to kick away from KJ Hamler. But if you have somebody that was an All-American punter last year, um, I think you let him kick the ball deep at least a few times. Really, really bad. I think one might have been a partial block. Or yeah, one was a partial block. He kicked game. it, I think, right off someone's helmet. There are plenty of other ones that were nearly blocked because they were doing more of the line drive rugby-style kick. So, yeah, they they need to work on their punting game. Yeah, not a, not a great job there uh, by Idaho. So, you know, that was that was looking back at last week. Uh, now we look ahead to a night game. Are you surprised that Buffalo was a night game for Penn State? Yeah, I don't know if it's just a TV deal. Fox wanted to get Penn State on their night schedule. They looked at the schedule of games they were offered to them, and they they just didn't have many other options or what it was. But uh, big uh, big night game against Buffalo coming up 7.30 Saturday night. Yeah, it should be a pretty good game. Uh, I'm kind of debating if I want to grab some tickets and, and go to it or if I want to be able to sit back, relax, and uh, and watch the game from the comfort of my sofa. Um, I'm not really – I'm expecting, you know, maybe not as dominant of a performance, but I'm expecting pretty similar results, to be honest. Yeah, Buffalo won their first game against Robert Morris, 38-10. to 10. Looks like they beat him pretty handily. They rushed for 285 yards on 46 rushing attempts, so while only throwing for 69 passing yards. So clearly this is a run-first team. They're coming off a season where they averaged 34.5 points per game last year while giving up 25.7. It's not really a great defense, but their offense can definitely score. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and yeah, like you pointed out, 69 yards passing, quarterback only threw the ball 10 times uh, and he completed 50% of his passes. And if this is a run-first offense for him, I say good because our defense showed against Idaho 
bring on your running back. We're ready for it. You know, that it's a, it's a great front seven. Um, you know, our, our backfield looks good too, but that front seven just looks like they're going to, like they're going to be terrifying, especially against the bulls this Saturday. Yeah. If you're looking at the Buffalo's defensive side too, it looks like they're more prone to giving up rushing yards. They gave up 162 rushing yards per game last year while only giving up 182 passing yards per game. And it seems like that's how Robert Morris attacked them. They went 45 rushing attempts for 148 yards, only threw the ball nine times against Buffalo. So maybe that's uh, we'll have kind of a similar game plan here with uh, diversity of running backs, getting a bunch of carries in there and see if that works again. Yeah, I mean, you know, while we can ground and pound, we might as well. Um, you know, be able to shore up our offensive line, keep them blocking. We were a little concerned with so much newness on the line, but I thought the line played well. Again, you know, Idaho might be an FCS team, but it's still a game. You're, you're still getting live game reps. You're getting live game reps in front of you know, 104,000 people at Beaver Stadium. That can be intimidating. They came in. They performed well. I was pleased with what I saw from the offensive line, uh, and I think we're going to be pleased again on Saturday night. Too. Yeah, let's hope for it. No... No, hang, letting Buffalo hang around into the third quarter, fourth quarter, something like that. Uh, hopefully they come out fast and quick again like they did against Idaho, run up the score early, and then be able to coast, put in some backups, and get some more reps for the younger guys. Yeah, so what do you think are, What do you think is going to be key here for, for Penn State to come out strong uh, and and start a little faster than they did against Yeah, Idaho. I think it starts with uh, Sean Clifford. So this will obviously be his first night game start. So a bit different kind of atmosphere than the noon kickoff like we saw last week. So see if he can get his nerves under control, hit some passes early. Maybe uh, Ricky Rane can give him some shorter passes early on to get him into the just get him into a rhythm, and then he can start uh, doing more of a deep balls to KJ Hamler or something like that. So I think uh, Sean Clifford's the key to getting a nice quick start. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Um, I think Sean Clifford needs to, to come out, and I think that he, you know, like we said, he was able to calm down. He was able to, to throw passes on point. That first touchdown that he threw to KJ Hamler while he was on the run, his eyes were downfield the entire time. I was like, this this is something that is not easily coached, and I don't think it was coached for Clifford. I think it was natural for him to look down the field and say, you know, who can I hit and find KJ Hamler open in the end zone? Uh, that was probably the most impressive throw for me uh, to see the entire game. I don't know about yeah, you. Yeah, even though KJ Hamler's wide open, he's getting hit there. He's got the the boundary to deal with, uh, out-of-bounds boundary there at the far far part of the end zone. So, yeah, very impressive throw. Yeah, so he can definitely come out early and uh, and play strong. Only one turnover last week, only one interception. Disappointed by that, hoping for more. Uh, how are you feeling about that, Caleb? Yeah, uh, not too worried about that. Uh, the, hopefully, uh, Matt Hippenhammer can work on his... Uh, punt return abilities clearly he's not the the starting punt returner kj hamler is so maybe um having kj hamler back there for all the punt return attempts as we get into the bigger games i I think it won't be quite as big of an issue yeah and and on the defensive side of the ball too uh also just one turnover john reed's interception it was a nice pick but uh hopefully we can we can see some more of that too from uh from a few of the players definitely capable of i'd like to see some forced fumbles you know i say that but these are also college players who are they're they're on a team with a scholarship for a reason they're supposed to be good with holding on to the ball so um 
Looks like Buffalo fumbled two times last week, so maybe that's something that uh, Penn State can take advantage of if they're going for that. I don't know if they're teaching that in practice or not, but maybe if they are, they can take advantage of it this week. Yeah, overall, a, a really, you know, people like to criticize Franklin and, uh, you know, they say, you know, he's a great recruiter. He's a great recruiter. What I saw against Idaho was a well-coached team. What I've been seeing, especially since that big Ohio State win a few years ago, well-coached mm-hmm. team. So, you know, critics get upset about some things, but I think I think Franklin's a good dude. I think he's a good coach and – um, I think business is going to be taken care of against Buffalo. We're, we're going to make our picks here in, uh, here in a minute or two. But, um, you know, I'm excited for what the season has in store for us. It, Saturday definitely had me definitely had me jumping for joy and, and celebrating the fact that Penn State football is back and it's, and it's going to look real good this season. I think. Yeah, it's always good to have football back. College this weekend, this upcoming weekend, we have college and the NFL, so we got a lazy Saturday and a lazy Sunday. Um, Labor Day, sad, the end of summer, but it's always good to have the start of football season pick back up. So I'm ready for it. Yeah, the uh, NFL season always kicks off on my back-to-school night. So, um, you know, I go from getting to talk with parents a little bit to jump in my car and rush home to catch the game. Usually miss just a, a couple minutes or in some cases I make it home a ton. Yeah, it's it's good whenever football's back. I miss it a lot. Um you know, LB, my wife, she's probably a, a little less thrilled that it's back, but there's just something special about the game. It's it's great to watch that teamwork happen. All right. Well, uh, hey, Caleb, are you ready to make some picks? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we have a lot of great games coming up uh, in in week two, a lot more top 25 matchups. The first one being against Texas A, or number 12, Texas A&M versus number one, Clemson. Texas A&M, a little bit disappointing last week. Um I'm not sure what the concerns or what concerns you may have there, Caleb, going up against the number one team, Clemson. Week number two and number one, Lawrence looked spectacular last week against Georgia Tech. Who you got? Yeah, um, Texas A&M was the last year they just gave Clemson a scare. So I expect this to be another uh, hard-fought game, but Clemson, clearly one of the two best teams in the country. I expect them to win this game maybe by uh, 10, 10, 14 points, something like that. They'll... They'll put it away there, maybe third, late third, early fourth quarter, and uh, hand Texas A&M the first loss of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think it's a two-score win. Uh, Lawrence and, and the running back, Edmund, just great to watch. Um, Clemson's going to yeah. be scary. I mean, they always are, but they're going to be scary. Yeah, we almost forgot about Travis Etienne with all the hype of Trevor Lawrence and how great he played last year as a true freshman leading Clemson to the national title. But uh, Travis Etienne said, hey, don't forget about me. I'm one of the best running backs in college football. I'm a Heisman contender too. He had a great game as Trevor Lawrence struggled a little bit for Clemson. So I think uh, Trevor Lawrence, though, will get back on track this weekend. Yeah, and you know he busts off the longest run in Clemson football history, or ties it. So that was great. And yeah, you know we say Lawrence struggled, but Lawrence still played. I mean, he's still a a great player. Um, You know what? What is a struggle for him? I think a lot of other schools would take. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. So uh, yeah, I'm going to pick Clemson as well. At least two scores, ten, fourteen points on on that one. Uh, then we have LSU, number six in the country, uh, Ed Ogeron versus number nine, Texas, coached by Tom Herman. Who are you thinking there? Um, well, I got to go with my uh, 
playoff pick Texas here. Um, I don't know, believing into the hype. I think uh, Sam Ellinger is a real good quarterback, one of the best in the country. I think he's matured over the last couple years, learning how to start, learning how to be a leader for the team. Um, LSU obviously will have a great defense like they always do, but I think I'm going to take Texas in this game in the small upset. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Ellinger, it feels like he's been at Texas for forever, and um, now he he's really emerged as one of those leaders that you mentioned. He's he's emerged as a as a top quarterback too. I'm with you on this one. I think this is one of those. You know, I hate to say upset whenever it's only three spots apart, but I can totally see the upset here. Um, Oregon or not Oregon, geez, uh, LSU, good defense, an SEC school, which we've seen SEC struggling right now. So um, I was thinking LSU, but uh, I think I'm going to pick Texas too on the quote-unquote upset. I don't think it's much. I think it's maybe a field goal. All right, yeah. And uh, Texas's defense will definitely have something to uh... – to, to go to uh, their work cut out for them. Joe Burrow, 23 of 27, 278 yards and five touchdowns in his first game. Obviously against a weaker opponent, but a strong start for him. Seems like LSU's one of their weaknesses is always quarterback. I know they had uh, our, one of our boys, Jamarcus Russell, taken number one overall over a decade ago mm-hmm. now, but they've seemed to struggle at quarterback ever since they've had him Yeah, since he left school. Jamarcus Russell, you know, oof. <laughs> You're you're drawing us back to the to the good old days, Mister. Uh, I can be on my knee and throw the ball eighty yards, but I can be out on a football field and can throw five picks or whatever. You know, yeah. I think I think LSU has mm-hmm. a good quarterback here too. Um, I think that even if they lose this game against Texas, I think they still can finish a season with a top ten ranking. Um, really, really solid potential there. But, yeah, I think we're both on Texas with this. Stanford versus USC, classic rivalry. This is just a fun game in, in general. It doesn't matter if, if one's ranked or one's not. You know, in this case, Stanford's number 23, USC is unranked. Always a good game, and, and the rank says nothing, uh, I think, whenever it goes into this as well. Um, I'm looking at this. I see USC has, has lost their quarterback for the season. Um, I still think USC is competitive. But I think Stanford does take this game. And in this case, the higher-ranked team is going to pull off the win. But I don't think it's by much. I think it's maybe 3 to 10 points. Yeah, I'm going to take Stanford, too. They've already been battle-tested. Tough game against Northwestern Week 1. Now another tough game in-state rival USC Week 2. I think they... They have they're the better team here, as you said. JT Daniels out for the season, so another so new quarterback for USC. I think um, tough tough task to start your first career college game against a great defense like Stanford, who just gave up seven points to Northwestern last week. Wouldn't be surprised if Stanford holds USC to ten or less again and uh, wins this one. Uh, I'll say by a touchdown. Yeah, um, you know another big rivalry game. Uh, this next game. You know, some people might be surprised, Caleb, so I'm going to need you to give them some context here uh, behind why we're picking this game. Western Kentucky versus Florida International. Go ahead and tell the viewers a little bit. Yeah, so I'm sure many of our listeners out there know the game NCAA football. You played it on your PlayStation, played it on your Xbox, wherever you played it. Um, obviously, the game's no longer around with some of these silly NCAA rules, but uh, the one I had one of the last ones I had. I think it was maybe NCAA 13 or so. I think Western Kentucky had just bumped up from FCS to FBS, so they were the 
worst team, lowest ranked team in the preseason polls there, all the way down. I think it was number 123 at the time. And so I'm like, ah, I got to see if I can take this team from worst to first. So picked them as my team, made them into a powerhouse, of course, you know, winning multiple national championships in a row. My rushing attack was elite. I had running back after running back. doesn't matter. My one year, I had a Heisman Trophy winner. He came back, tore his ACL week one. His backup came in. He won the Heisman the next year. So, you know, always fun playing some NCAA football. And so that's where my love of Western Kentucky comes from. As for this game, um, Petrino left a couple years ago. He's at Purdue. What's he at? Purdue now, right, I think. So they haven't been quite as good the past few years. They've they do they've had a couple um, guys be drafted in the past in the recent drafts. Forrest Lamp, he's on the Chargers. Tyler Higby, he's on my team, tight end for the Rams. So they they did get some recruits in there during the years, but now I don't think they're quite as good. Um, they lost their opening week, so I I don't know if they'll be able to beat Florida International here. Ooh, no faith in the team, Caleb. I will. I'm going to pick Western Kentucky here. I think Western Kentucky, um, you know like you said and like we've seen in, in a couple of the seasons where they've been bowl eligible and, and playing in some of these games uh, you know they showed that they can compete uh, I think that we'll see them beat Florida International and part of this pick is simply because of reminiscing from whenever we were college roommates and you would play that dynasty mode uh, with Western Kentucky so I'm going to pick them to, to pull off that win there uh, and we're, and we're going to root for them and, and hope for the best Living in Northern Virginia, a lot of people love rooting for two teams, uh, Virginia Tech and West Virginia. Now, uh, I'm not going to talk about Virginia Tech. This week, we're going to talk about West Virginia playing against Mizzou. Uh, looking at West Virginia, they barely pulled off a win against James Madison. Now, James Madison, typically a powerhouse in D2 ball, uh, regularly competes for the championship. But, uh, yep. you know, I don't really see West Virginia pulling off the win against Missouri. I think Missouri comes in strong. They take care of business, and West Virginia uh, goes from 1-0 to 1-1. Thoughts? Yeah, Missouri coming off a disappointing first week two. Tough game for them week one. But as you said, West Virginia, tough game. Um, I'll go I'll go opposite. I'll take West Virginia in this one, 2-0, push Missouri to 0-2. Yeah. Um, by the way, to – point of clarification there james madison not d2 d1 in the fcs where they win their their championships um yeah so you're picking west virginia i'm picking missouri uh so hopefully any of my friends that listen to the podcast that are west virginia fans please forgive me but uh i need to see more from that offense before i'm ready to pick them for for some games and then last but not least pretty obvious here penn state versus buffalo uh we're both picking penn state what's your yes clearly what are you thinking is going to be that margin of victory? Uh, Penn State, 30-point favorites here on the betting lines against Buffalo. Um, I'll say – I'll go even bigger. I'll say five touchdowns, 35-point win, night game, big atmosphere, kind of um, put put Buffalo away early, just like Idaho there, run away with it and uh, cruise to an easy victory. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna at least take that spread too. Uh, I don't know they win 79 to seven, but I think they win by at least 40 points. Uh, I can see them, you know, giving up maybe 10 points to Buffalo and putting up 55, 60, or more of their own. Um, going to be a big blowout win. Start off two and zero, and so yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a great game. I'm excited to see Penn State start start off another season two and zero. Yeah, it's been good. Finally, um, the last couple of years, James Franklin finally turned it around. Obviously, the Ohio State win was the big 
the, the one that changed the atmosphere here at Penn State, and they've been pretty much ranked ever since. As the broadcast pointed out this week, they're what the fourth. Only four teams have a longer streak of being ranked: mm-hmm. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. So pretty much the four best teams over the past two to three years. So even though Penn State hasn't made the playoff yet, they've just missed at number five. They've been close, um, multiple top ten right in there, AP poll top ten. So. They've definitely been the, one of the better teams over the past three seasons or so. Yeah, uh, AP polls came out uh, today, and uh, Penn State came in again at number 15, so stayed consistent, but I think another big blowout win, and, and assuming that we were going to see a couple of these top 15 teams or, or more top 25 teams this week lose, I think we're going to see Penn State move up at least a spot or two in the polls and move on toward the top 10. Yeah, obviously uh, not much movement with uh... – all the AP poll teams winning except for Oregon. So pretty much Oregon and Auburn swapped places. Everyone else was pretty consistent. So not too surprising to see Penn State stay at number 15. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Caleb, um, I think this is uh, week two in a nutshell. Any Anything else we need to tell the viewers about? No, we just want to say thank you to everyone who listened week one. Hopefully you spread the word. We'll keep uh, doing these for you every week. And thank you for listening again. Yeah, so you can listen to us on Spotify, on Anchor.fm, and hopefully pretty soon on iTunes as well, like Caleb said. Hope you enjoyed, and if you like it, share with your friends. Uh, Caleb, good talking to you. Looking forward to next week. See you next week, Phil. Bye-bye.